My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We Amen. One more time. Let's just give God some high praise. Anybody have some big testimonies, some great stories of what God has done? Amen. That chorus they just sang. Amen. I'm thankful for his goodness, for his kindness, for his mercy. I want to say like the psalmist did, that his goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. If I look back over my life, even through the seasons that were difficult, his goodness and mercy were there following me. Amen. Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 16 and beginning at verse number one, back in uh, Maryland where I pastor, we have one service on Sunday. We were trying to transition back into two and then COVID uh, disrupted uh, a lot of things for everybody, not just us, I know. And so the reason I'm telling you that is not so you can know our schedule back in Maryland, but I've gotten into a habit of... um, if I only have one sermon on Sunday, I preach. I try to make it up for two in one sermon. Uh, I know that, that that probably made you a little nervous. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm, I'm going to be very, um, make sure that I stay uh, on task. So we're, I'm not going to make a lot of preliminary remarks. I am thankful for the opportunity to be here. Certainly give honor to the great leadership of this church, Pastor Kinsey, Brother Strobel. We give honor to you, amen, to the great families that lead this church. Amen, Brother and Sister Stafford, the youth committee that made this uh, great weekend possible. We give honor to them and the Uprush youth. Amen. Why don't we give a hand clap to these students? Amen. I hope I got all the names and, and everything right. Uprush, right? I got some looks like, are you, okay, I got it right. Okay, good. When you get to my age, you forget things easily. Exodus chapter 16, beginning at verse number one. The Bible says that the children of Israel took their journey from Elam And all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said unto Moses and Aaron, Would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. It shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. If we could move down to the 31st verse of that same chapter. Exodus 16, verse 31. And the house of Israel called the name of that bread that God caused to come down from heaven. They named the name thereof manna. And it was like coriander seed, something that had never been seen before or known before. And so we're trying to give it something to compare it to. It was like coriander seed, white. The taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Amen. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. 
I want to preach for just a few minutes this Sunday morning on this thought, no substitute for honey. Amen. When I was a child, I don't recall there being quite as many allergies as are prevalent today. Seems like there's definitely been an uptick in allergies and, and things that people uh, aren't, aren't able, you know, peanut allergies and, and wheat allergies and dairy allergies and, 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 and things of that nature. When I was a kid, when I was, uh, you know, when I said I was allergic to something, usually it was me trying to get out of eating something that I didn't want to eat. I wanted to get back outside, uh, you know, to play. And so I would say I was allergic and my dad would say, well, are you allergic to my belt? And I would know what that meant and I would finish eating it. But now it seems like everyone is either allergic or has an intolerance to something. And so in an, in an effort to expand the decreasing diet of those dealing with allergies or intolerances, there has been a vast line of substitutes that have been introduced into our diet. For those that may be lactose intolerant, there is an abundance of dairy substitutes that have been provided today. We have soy milk, there is almond milk, coconut milk, cashew milk, flaxseed milk. And not long ago, I read an article of uh, dietitians who had come across what they believe is the most healthy milk that can be consumed by the human and what they have identified to be the next superfood, and that is cockroach milk. If you don't believe me, you can look it up. I promise you I'm not making it up. But they say that this milk that is drawn from crystals that are produced by a very specific roach. This roach does not lay eggs, but it, it gives birth to live baby roaches. And probably something you thought you wouldn't hear the preacher talking about today is roaches. But this specific roach, the Diploptera punctata, it produces these crystals that they say they can produce milk out of that is the best milk that you can consume as a human being. But as for me and my house, we will stick with vitamin D, 2% at the worst. I feel like we're about to have church now. They're a substitute for noodles, zoodles, which are zucchini noodles and long spiral shaped strips of zucchini that are either raw or steamed. And I know in my house when it's spaghetti night, which is one of my favorite nights. Uh, I will still eat noodles, but my wife and daughters will eat spaghetti over spaghetti squash. And recently I even saw a video of a lady making carrot bacon. She peeled a carrot into long, thick strips so that it looked like bacon. And then she seasoned it and put sauces and marinated a little bit. And then she fried the bacon and through that video tried to convince me that a carrot could be as good as bacon. And I know the devil is a liar when I see that. There are substitutes for sugars, all of these substitutes. Fundamentally, a substitute is someone or something that serves in place of another person or thing. And in order for a substitute to be sufficient, there has to be some quality that is comparable, features that are familiar or a prevailing attribute that is apparent. For example, in order for a sugar substitute to be a substitute there has to be the quality of sweetness that is provided. I would say in the scripture, when Jacob substituted himself as Esau so that he could receive the blessing from their father Isaac, he understood, I cannot be Esau. My features will never appear as rugged as Esau, 
But all that I've got to do in order to get the blessing is to present myself as a substitute by making myself feel like Esau. He said, if I can just get one or two qualities of Esau, then I can get the blessing. And so the Bible tells us he went in before his father whose eyes were dim in his old age and he caused the the smooth of his hands and the smooth of his neck to feel like Esau, and and then he adorned himself with clothing that smelled like the aroma of the field. Amen. And so it is that because he was able to present qualities that were like Esau, he was able to substitute himself and receive the blessing from their father. I'm working to begin this morning to establish that in order to be a substitute, there has to be a common denominator. I want to preach today that there is no substitute for hunting. In the Bible, we find that honey is one of the key elements, especially in the volumes of the Old Testament. It is a key component of the promises of God. Literally, from Genesis to Revelation, the benefits and the blessings of honey are heralded throughout the Scripture. Honey, within the passages of Scripture, is used as a symbol of abundance, blessing, and prosperity. It is a metaphor whose description is reserved for those things that will bring delight and satisfaction to the soul. The benefits of the word of God in our lives are compared to honey. In Psalms chapter 119, verse 10, the Bible says, more to be desired are the law, the statutes, the commandments of the Lord. They are more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold, and they are sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Amen. Psalms 119, verse 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, they are sweeter to my mouth. They are sweeter than honey to my mouth. Has anybody found the word of God to be satisfied? Have you found that when you obey this holy word of God that there is satisfaction that comes to your life? Proverbs chapter 24 verses 13 and 14, Solomon makes the comparison of the goodness and the sweetness of honey to the body as what wisdom is to the soul. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 16 verse 24, it says that pleasant words are like honey. They are sweet to the soul and they are healthy unto the bones. 61 times honey is mentioned in scripture. When the goodness, the satisfying attributes and the elements of a word or a way are desired to be expressed and God is looking for an element that will describe how satisfying it is that it is honey that God uses in those instances because there is no substitute for honey. Yet for all of the symbolism the metaphors and the parallels for which honey is used in the scripture. None is found more often and none is communicated more emphatically than when God is excited to reveal to the children of Israel just how wonderful, just how satisfying, and how spectacular the promised land of Canaan is going to be. I believe that there is an enthusiasm even in the spirit of God today of a land that God is preparing for his people. I know that you may be excited about heaven, but I just have a feeling that our God is more excited than we could ever be about this place that he is preparing for us. In Exodus chapter number three, as God speaks to Moses at the burning bush, the moment that will be the catalyst that begins the process of God delivering Israel out of Egypt and moving them toward the land of promise, In verse 7, he begins to speak to Moses, and he says, Moses, 
I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Amen. How many of you are thankful to know that God knows what you're going through? Can you tell your neighbor right now, God knows what you're going through. He knows where you're at. He said, I know their sorrows. Verse 80 says, I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land and bring them up into a good land, a land that is large and unto a land that is flowing with milk and honey. So it is here at the burning bush. He uses the description of their sorrow and affliction to describe to them what God is going to bring them out of. And then he uses milk and honey to describe to them a land that God is going to bring them into. I I think this morning, I'm not going to preach long, but we need to catch that today because our God is not just a God that brings us out of something. He is also a God that's bringing us into something. When God brings you out of Egypt, it's to bring you into a promised land. When God brings you out of sorrow, it's to bring you into blessing. When God brings you out of affliction, it's to bring you into abundance. When God brings us out of something, it's to bring me into something that is greater. And so honey is the promise, not just of what God brought you out of, but it is, honey is the parallel of what God is bringing you into more than 20 times. God reminds the children of Israel of his promise. One third of the times that honey is used in the scripture, one third of those times, over 20 times, God promises to bring them into a land that flows with milk and honey. When they began to become discouraged, he reminds them, milk and honey. It's kind of like my dad. I know I talked about the belt. Usually it wasn't threatening me. Usually it was if you eat everything, then there is dessert. God is saying when they began to lose their way, he realigns them by saying milk and honey. When their temporary circumstances begin to become overwhelming, he reassures them there is milk and honey. I want to remind somebody in this house today that God is not just the God that brought you out of. I wonder how many in this house have a testimony that God's delivered you from something. That's what I love about the apostolic church. That's what I love about a spirit-filled church. I don't have to know your story. I don't have to know your name. I don't need to know what you've been through. But you, when you walk into a spirit-filled church, you know that there will be testimonies in the house. There's going to be somebody that walked in the house today that says, I used to be an alcoholic. There's going to be somebody in the building today that says, I used to be a drug addict. There's going to be somebody in the building today that says, my marriage was just about to be destroyed. But God stepped in. But God delivered me. But God brought me out. I wish we could praise him right now because he is a God that still delivers. He is still a God that reaches into Egypt and delivers us with a mighty hand. Somebody ought to give him praise today for what he brought you out of. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries, hallelujah. 
I wonder if you used to be, you ought to give him praise. If you used to be an alcoholic, you ought to praise him. If you used to be a drug addict, you ought to magnify him. If you were on the verge of destruction, you ought to give God praise for bringing you out. I worry about people that forget that God brought them out. They, that just like the children of Israel, they get a few months removed from the Red Sea and they stop, they start forgetting that God is the one that brought them out. I don't ever want to be able to sit through an apostolic worship service and not clap my hands. I don't ever want to be able to sit through anointed preaching because I remember where I was when Jesus found me. I remember who I was when Jesus delivered me. God brought us out. And we testify. And just like the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 15, the children of Israel come across the Red Sea and their captors have been capsized and drowned in the Red Sea and they begin to sing the song of Moses. Miriam lines up all the women of Israel and they begin to dance and play their timbrels. Why? Because they have been brought out they have been delivered, and we should do the same. Hey Amen. I don't know, in, in our church, we've banned tim, tambourines, but at least clap your hands, all right? I, I don't know. I didn't hear too many bells jingling in the house today. I think it's across the board, pastors. Anyway, that's another sermon for another Sunday. But I think we ought to come in like Miriam, and there ought to be a spirit that gets in unity of worshiping and praising God because I realize why your testimony might be different than mine. We all have one thing in common. He brought us out. He brought us across the Red Sea. His blood was shed so that we could be brought out of Egypt. He delivered us from the captor. Come on, he's still away making God. I, I, I want to say today, if you're in this house and you're bound by an addiction, you came to the right place because my God is still making a way out of no way. He is still a deliverer. And we do, we praise God for what he brought us out of, but don't forget that when God delivers you from something, it's to bring you into something that is greater. Milk and honey, and there is no substitute for honey. We find in Exodus chapter 16, just days removed from their miraculous crossing of the Red Sea, just a couple of weeks, perhaps maybe months removed, the crossing of the Red Sea that had left their captives capsized, compelling the children of Israel to sing the song of Moses and Miriam and all the women to line up and began to dance and sing. This moment, the crossing of the Red Sea, one of the greatest demonstrations of the power of God to this day. And now just a few weeks removed from this powerful work of God, they find themselves in an in-between place, in between Elam and Sinai. And the children of Israel begin to complain against Moses. The children of Israel, the Bible says in Exodus 16.3, the children of Israel had said unto Moses and Aaron, would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, because there at least we had something to eat. For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And in response to their complaining, in their response to their murmuring, God gives them manna. Manna that every morning they woke up in the wilderness, they would find manna covering the ground. They would simply have to go out and gather enough to meet their appetite. They would have to go out and gather enough. But every morning manna was on the ground. Amen. Exodus 16, 31 gives us a description of what this manna was like. It says it was like coriander seed. And the taste of it was 
like wafers that were made with honey. If I could say it this way, that manna tasted like honey. I want to say that manna had a very specific role in the plan of God for Israel. It was there for them in a season. It was there to be a temporary solution as they passed from Egypt into a land of promise. I'm not downplaying manna. It was miraculous. It was marvelous. It was of God. It was blessed of God. It came from heaven. But it was only meant to be for a season. And it was only meant to be there while they passed from Egypt into a promised land. Amen. But the Bible says it tasted like honey. I want to say today there is a danger in getting addicted to something in a season because it tastes like the promises of God. Let me tell you, if God gives you something in a season, amen, it might just be for that season to get you through. But just because it tastes like honey doesn't mean that it's honey. It tasted like honey. Manna was God's provision for the wilderness, but honey was God's promise for their possession. It may taste like honey, but it's not honey. And if we're not careful in our walk with God, we begin to substitute God's provision for his promise. Amen. Because we've got everything that we need, because we've got affluence, because we've got some money in the bank, because we don't smell like Egypt and we don't look like what we came out of, we become satisfied with where we are. But I've come to tell you today, don't get satisfied with where you are because God has more for you. I don't just want the taste of honey. I want honey. I don't want wafers for this season. I want the promised land. I want everything God has. I wonder if there's anybody in this house today that would say in your spirit, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I want everything God has for me. Lord, I thank you for your provision, but I want your promise. Lord, I thank you for what you've given to me, but I want everything you've got for me. We settle for wafer. I've pastored not nearly as, as long or effectively as your pastor, but I've pastored for a few years, just a little bit more than a decade now, and I... I, it's a shame to see people that God begins to deliver them out and God's got so much for them but halfway between what God brought them out of and all that he has for them they get satisfied they get satisfied with a little taste they get satisfied with a little touch they get satisfied with a little deliverance and you look and you know that God has for them more for them and I want to say today somebody in this building God has more for you don't be satisfied with what you've got don't get satisfied with with wafers that taste like honey. There's a land that flows with milk and honey. Don't get satisfied with a wafer that tastes like honey. There are promises of God waiting for you. Can we give God praise not just for what he's brought us out of? I know we show up Sunday after Sunday and we praise God for what he brought us out of, but I wonder for about 30 seconds, can we praise God for what he's bringing us into? Parents, can you praise God for an anointing that's coming on your children? Can we praise God for revival coming to our church? Somebody say in your spirit right now, there's more. There's more. There's more. 
God has more for me. I'm not going to settle for a wafer that tastes like honey. I want the land that flows with milk and honey. Uh, I want to walk in the spirit, not just feel the touch of the spirit. Uh, I want to be led by the spirit, uh, not just hear the whisper of the spirit. Tell your neighbor there's more. Don't settle for the taste of honey. Don't settle for provision when there's promise. There is no substitute for honey. And I would say today the greatest enemy of honey is manna. The greatest enemy of promise is provision. The greatest enemy of everything that God has for me. And I made up in my mind a few years ago that I'm not going to be satisfied with some of what God has for me. Amen. I want everything, every promise. I want every blessing. I want every miracle. I want the abundance that God has for me. I'm not satisfied with the taste of honey. I believe that one of the primary reasons identified within the word of God, we can live with the taste of honey. Instead of pursuing a land that flows with milk and honey. If we go back and revisit the first time that God mentions milk and honey. Back in Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush. After God says to him that I'm going to take you into a land that flows with milk and honey. If we continue reading the, the ensuing verses following that. God says okay. I'm going to take you out of a land of affliction and sorrow into a land that flows with milk and honey. And he says, but here's the deal. When you get to a land that flows with milk and honey, you're going to have to drive out the Canaanites. And you're going to have to drive out the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites the and the Jebusites. You see, when we live in the wilderness with a taste of honey, we don't have to drive anything out. We just wake up every morning. There's a cloud to follow, and there's a pillar by night to follow. Everything that we need, we wake up in the morning, and manna is laying on the ground. You see, many times people live in the wilderness with the taste of honey because they don't have to drive anything out of their lives. But I'm challenging somebody today. It's worth the warfare. It's worth the battle. It's worth fighting the Canaanites. It's worth saying, God, put a spotlight on my heart. If there's anything that's got to go, then God, drive it out. I want more. More than the taste. I want more than the taste of honey. I want the promises of God. Wonder, could you stand with me all across this building right now? I want us to raise our hands together. If you believe that God has more for you, if you believe that God has more, I'm not saying God hasn't been good to you. I'm not questioning your salvation. I'm not questioning if right now the trumpet sounded that you would be raised up, ready to meet the Lord in the air. I'm not questioning any of that. But that, that I believe there's got to be a holy dissatisfaction in this hour that gets a hold of the church. I'm not satisfied with just a God in our services. I want Shekinah glory. I want God to thunder in our services. I I want God to speak with a clear sound. I want God to shake the heavens and the earth. I want a revival like we've never seen before. I'm not satisfied with honey. Oh, I know it's sweet where we're at right now as a church, but I want everything God promised. Come on, can we raise hands all across this building? I tell you, when, when you really start pursuing after a land that flows with milk and honey, and you become dissatisfied with wafers that taste like honey, the first thing that's going to happen is God's going to start dealing with you about some Canaanites. God's going to start dealing with you about some Perizzites and some Hittites and some things that have taken up residence in the area of promise in your life that you're going to have to begin to drive out. 
So, Lord, I pray on this Sunday morning, I believe, God, that you brought me here on this Sunday morning to speak to this great congregation. Lord, not, not, not to condemn, Lord, not to, in any way to condemn, but rather to say God has more for you. Come on, man of God, God has more for you. Yes, I know he brought you out, and we thank God for that, and we dance and we shout for that, but I wonder, can we start having some worship services, uh, not just where we dance because what he brought us out of, but where we begin to line up the tambourines, uh, where Miriam says, this time we're not going to sing because of what he brought us out of. This time we're going to sing because of what he's bringing us into. So I wonder, could you lay your hand on the shoulder of your neighbor? And I, I know social distancing challenges, whatever, but I want you to lay your hand Show it of your neighbor if you feel comfortable doing that. I want you to pray, God, I'm asking you, Lord, let there, give them, God, let there be a, a pooling of the Spirit, to, a, a compelling God to go after everything. They, God, don't let us become satisfied with the taste of honey. Don't let us be satisfied with what you gave us to provide for us in a season. And let that be a substitute, God, for what you meant to be a promise that we will possess. Don't be satisfied with families that just come to church because it's Sunday. Pray, God, set a fire in my family. Oh, God, set a fire in my family. I don't want to just come to church because that's what we do on Sunday. Lord, I want us to be like David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I pray right now, Lord, every Canaanite, every Hivite, every Perizzite, Lord, every adversary that is possessing the land of promise, I'm not going to sit in a wilderness tasting wafers that taste like honey, allowing enemies to possess the promises of God in my life. But Lord, let something rise up in my spirit today that says I will pursue the promises of God. I want to conclude with this. There are many theologians and commentaries that as I read this story and studied it out, that as a foreshadow of Jesus Christ, there are many ways that there are comparisons that can be made of what manna was for uh, Israel in the wilderness of what Jesus has been for us. Amen. Just like manna, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And he came down from heaven. Just like manna, he is enough to meet the needs of the multitude. Just like manna, he saved us in our wilderness. And just like manna, he feeds that hunger of our soul. And there are many today that think it's good enough just to have a faith in Jesus. That's, that's all I need is just to have faith that Jesus is. And, and, and certainly I believe that salvation comes through faith. Ephesians tells us that it is by grace that you are saved through faith. We need that faith. But can I tell you, Jesus himself said there's more. <laughs> Jesus himself said, hey, he showed himself alive to them in Acts chapter 1. He looked at the multitude and said, there's more. There's a promise waiting for you. I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there. I've been the man for a season, but now I'm not just going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. And he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait. And I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. If you're here in this house today 
and you've got faith in Jesus Christ, I applaud you. It begins there. But if that, if you've only gone that far and you've not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm not making this up. I'm telling you what Jesus said. You need to make your way to Jerusalem. You need to find your way to the altar. And you need to say, Lord, I want everything you've got for me. I don't just want manna. I want honey. I want the promises of God. I'm going to turn the service to the leadership of this church, but one more time, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands with me. Lord, all across this congregation, there are people today that need, they need to know you as a deliverer. There are people that walked into this building today bound, addicted, bound, oh God, by addictions of the flesh. Lord, I speak to them right now with confidence. I've watched God do it not once, not twice, more times than I can count. I've watched God deliver the alcoholic. I've watched him deliver the drug addict. I've watched him put the marriage back together again. That the lawyer looked at that couple and said, it's over. You need to go separate directions. And now, 15 years later, they're on fire for God. Their marriage is stronger than ever. And if God could do it for them, he can do it for you. And there are some of you that have allowed the wafer in the wilderness to bring a complacency in your spirit, but God has more for you. And then there may be some today that you have a faith in Jesus Christ, but you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you all three of those things that I mentioned today, God wants to do in this service. God wants to do this morning. Amen. One more time. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? I'm going to turn it to your pastor. All right. If you want any three of those things, if you need deliverance, I want to ask you to come to this altar. I want to ask you to, that, that's, uh, let's start the other way. All right? Nobody wants to be that, that crowd. If you need the Holy Ghost, I want to ask you to come right now. If you realize that, they, that maybe you've come to a place where you're satisfied, but you know that God has more for you. Come on, somebody's got to break the ice. I want everything. If you just want everything God, thank you, sir. I want everything God has for me. If I could, I, I would turn around right now and stand there because I do. I don't, I don't ever want to get to the place where I'm satisfied. If you're in this building today and you're suffering with an addiction, depression, defeat in your spirit, fear, drug addiction, alcoholism, your marriage is in trouble, your children are in trouble, whatever it may be, I want you to walk down to this altar and we're going to pray together. And I believe before we walk out the doors of this building, God is going to do some significant things in this house. But here's what I'm telling you. There, there is a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm not here today preaching to you about a wafer that is enough because it tastes like honey. I'm telling you there is a God that is more than enough. There is a God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Come on, would you come? Would you come? Would you let the Spirit draw you today? Preacher, I know that God has more for me. I know that God has more for me. I don't ever want to get satisfied with what God has done, but I want to continue to pursue after everything God has for me. That's it. People are coming, filling the altars right now. Those of you that are, that are maybe at your seat still, would you stretch out your hands with me and let's pray over what God is doing at this altar right now. Lord, would you part the Red Sea once again? God, you, would you part that impossibility one more time? Lord, that one that came today staring at an impossibility, saying there's no way that I can make it through this. One more time, Holy Ghost, would you part the Red Sea and bring them across on dry ground? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, somebody right now, 
That's it, Lord. I want every promise that you have for me. I've become satisfied with provision. But today, Lord, there's something awakening in my soul. I don't want provision. I want promise. I don't want some of what you've got for me. I want everything. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.